One of the things, you know, when we pray over serious things, sometimes we're tempted to pick up the burden. And so the room kind of feels a little heavy now, even though we were just heavy in God's glory, then we feel heavy with the burden of it. And that's, that's a mistake on our part when we do that because we need to release that burden to the Lord. Obviously, we cannot fix what's going on anywhere. We have enough trouble trying to fix what's going on in our own house, let alone everywhere else. So we have to learn to release those, cast our cares on the Lord because when you bring home those false burdens, you feel burdened down. So I felt prompted to tell you a joke. So uh, kind of lighten the mood. So I was like, I really felt like I said, tell a joke. Like, I can't think of one right now, like at all. But anyway, I did, one did come to me. It's, it's kind of dumb, but funny. But anyway, uh, so this guy was going to it. This has nothing to do with my sermon. It's not in my notes. Just, it's just to make you laugh. That's the only reason it's for. So um, there was a guy going to a therapist. He was having a lot of issues with fear, really battling with fear. And so he went to this doctor to talk to him about it. And uh, I mean, what seems to be the problem? He goes, I have a monster living under my bed. And he's like, you do? And he goes, well, what are you doing about it? He goes, I, I'm not sleeping well. There's a monster under my bed. I'm not, I'm not sleeping well at all. And he goes, well, have you tried this and this and this? And nothing's really working. And he kept going back to this guy. And after a while, he was like, you know, I'm going to go see another doctor. This guy is not helping me at all. And so he went to another doctor. Then at some time later passed, and he came back to see this original doctor. Just to, saw him somewhere in past and talking to him. He said, how are you doing with your struggle with that, your fear? He goes, oh, it's all gone now. He goes, it's all gone. He goes, yeah, I went to another doctor. He helped me on the first visit. He goes, really? He was kind of like, what did he do? How did he help you? He goes, he just told me to cut the legs out from under my bed. <laughs> so, he to, so he can't be a monster under his bed because there's nothing under his bed. The floor is under his bed, you see? So anyway, yeah, there's no monsters under your bed. So praise God. But um, today I really felt I was going to share and continue from James 5. I started a couple weeks ago, and uh, I got a little bit of ringing or echo going on up here, Marshall. So um, there's a little ringing or echo. I don't know if these mics need to be muted or something, but it's ringing in my ear. So um, anyway, uh, uh, talk about James 5. I'm going to continue with that later. I, I felt prompted a different way this morning. And I'm talking to you about judging and judgments. It, it's, uh, I really believe if you listen today with an open heart, there's certain things you're going on, going on in your life and in your heart you can actually get set free from even today. There's certain things, just like the area of forgiveness, that when we do things a certain way, there's certain things that happen in our lives. We do things another way, there's different things that happen. And, you know, the question remains, are we to judge? Are we not to judge? What does the Bible say about this? You know, almost every person, saved or unsaved, knows, knows that verse, or needs, at least part of the verse will say, well, don't judge. And, you know, they're living like the devil or whatever. It's like, well, don't judge me. And I want to show you... Um, the verse in context, I want to show you what does the Bible actually say about judging and judging other people, okay? So the verse in context, in, well, the first part of the verse, Matthew 7, 1, it says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Now, this verse is absolutely 100% true. Every scripture is God-breathed. It is true. But every verse also has a context and a proper application, and you must apply that by taking the whole a texture, a whole thing of scripture, and bring it together to see what context it's in and try to make it make sense uh, in our life. So the truth is that we're actually called to judge some things, okay? Some things we're called to judge right now, and other things we are called to judge later, but we are called to judge. I'm going to show you some examples. 1 Corinthians 6.2 says that the saints will judge the world. And it does not say we're called to judge them right now. It says we will judge the world. 1 Corinthians 6.3 says that we will judge angels. I don't know what that's going to look like, but it says that we will do that. Again, it doesn't say right now, but it says at some point we will do that. And in 1 Corinthians 4.5, it says, Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. There is an appointed time for judgment, but it isn't right now. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. So we will judge the world, but not right now, and not with our limited understanding. We have to wait until the Lord comes. He's going to bring all things to light, all the motives to, of the heart to, uh, to light, and then we will judge. So when a non-believer tells you, don't judge, you know what? They're right. They're right. You're not called to judge them. I'm not called to judge them. You are called to love them. 
We have one judge and one ruler over all. His name is God. He sees every little thing that they've ever done. He knows not just the sin they're doing. He knows why they're doing that. He knows they're doing some of these things to cope with their life because their life is so awful. It's so hard. It's so oppressed. It's so all they've ever known is oppression and pain that they're turning to this or that whatever to try to ease that pain. And God sees all those things. He told the Pharisees, prostitutes and people like that are going to go to heaven before you. Imagine saying that on a Sunday morning to somebody. Like, uh, that, they might not come back. I think they might be offended by that. But anyway, but there are also some judgments that the church, we are instructed to judge right now. I'll show you this, 1 Corinthians 5, 12 and 13. It says, For what have I to do with judging those who are, who are outside, outside the church? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put from yourselves the evil person. So Paul says here that we are not to judge people outside of the church, but inside the church there's leadership that are supposed to judge certain situations, certain, uh, certain things, and it's referring to church discipline that needs areas of correction. Amen. Now, um, everybody loves that, right? It's the Bible talks about people don't even love being corrected by their dad, let alone from a pastor or somebody. I don't have any correction I'm bringing today. I'm just going to say, when somebody gives a blanket statement, do not judge, there's a context to those things. There's a certain application of those things. You need uh, someone in your life that's going to bring some kind of a judgment if you're in Christ, if you're doing something right or wrong. Because if you're going down the wrong path, guess where that's going to lead? The wages of sin is death. It's heading towards death. We could just say, well... I'm not called to judge them. I'm not supposed to say anything. No, they don't need your judgment, but you can judge in your heart that this isn't right, and I can go love them and try to get them to do something different. Do you hear what I'm saying? Amen. So the context, uh, Paul previously mentions here, he mentions some sins, and he mentions sexual immorality, covetousness, idolatry, revelry, drunkenness, and extortion. extortion. These are sins that the church leadership are supposed to call people in, talk to them about, and actually give discipline to as needed. And in this case, in, in this situation, in context, Paul said, kick the evil man, the so-called brother, out of your church. I'm not even going to go into the details of what this guy did. If you've read it, you know what he did, and it was evil, and they dealt with it. But guess what? They dealt with it in the way the Bible said to deal with it. And the guy later repented. He asked for forgiveness. And in 2 Corinthians, he says, bring the brother back to church. Bring him back into the fellowship. Because it was handled the right way, and the guy was restored. So even when there's church discipline, there's church correction, there's a judgment that goes on, the heart behind it should always be restoration. It always should be the big picture in mind. It's not judging them to embarrass the people in front of the church or embarrass or spread the rumors all over the whole county. The whole heart behind the church government and the church correction is to, is to help them be restored. Amen? Amen? So Paul also said, here's one that will challenge us today, that I don't know anyone that's actually doing this, but Paul said this, that the body of Christ should take their court cases to the church. And he said, the least among you, he says this, read it yourself, it's 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 6. He said, the least among you, the least discerning, the least wise Christian in the bunch will be able to sit and hear that story and tell which one's right, which one's wrong. And he says, why are you taking your court cases in front of the world to be judged by them? It's going to make the church look bad. Okay, I'm just saying, um, yeah, that's what the word says, amen? Can't change it, not going to change it, it's what it says. Have I ever done it? No, I haven't gone to court either, but... Um, I wonder what it would look like if we handled some of those things in-house. And if the people on both sides would be submitted to decisions the people would make. Or say, oh, they're just a, they're just a human, or oh, what do they know, or whatever. Do You see the level of submission here to the leadership. They're, they're, they're believing and trusting the leadership. They're going to do what's right. Amen. And I know it's been hard. In the past, we've had leadership that has failed you or let you down. But I'm telling you, this is still the heart of God for his bride, That's right. for his church. Amen. So again, the word does say do not judge, but there's a certain context and a certain application for this, and we need to be careful to rightly divide the word of truth. And now just because we've been asked to judge our brothers and sisters on these certain sinful issues that are previously mentioned doesn't give us permission to judge every area of their lives. All right? Uh, talking about people inside the church. James 4, 11 and 12 says, Dear friends, as part of God's family, so what's that? The church, right? As part of God's family, never speak against another family member. For when you slander a brother or sister, you violate God's law of love. And your duty is not to make yourself a judge of the law of love by saying that it does not apply to you, but your duty is to obey it. 
There is only one true lawgiver and judge, the one who has the power to save and destroy. So who do you think you are to judge your neighbor? Tell me your neighbor is also a brother in Christ, not a neighbor that's lost. Again, we see uh, there are sinful issues that the church leadership has instructed to judge and discipline, and there's other issues that are more minor and not so, not so severe that we're not supposed to judge. We're supposed to be gracious and we're supposed to be compassionate over these things. For example, Romans 14, 3 through 6. says, The one who eats freely should not judge and look down on the one who eats only vegetables. And the vegetarian must not judge and look down on the one who eats everything. Remember, God has welcomed him and taken him as a partner. Who do you think you are to sit in judgment of someone else's household servant? His own master is the one who evaluate whether he succeeds or fails. And God's servants will succeed, for God's power supports them and enables them to stand. In the same way, one person regards a certain day as more sacred than another, and another person regards them all alike. There is nothing wrong with having different personal convictions about such matters. For the person who observes one day as especially sacred does it to honor the Lord. And the same is true regarding what a person eats. The one who eats everything eats to honor the Lord, because he gives thanks to God. And the one who has a special diet does to honor the Lord, who gives thanks to God. Hope you're getting all that. I know you've read it before, but verse, chapter 13. So stop being critical and condemning of, each, of other believers, but instead determine to never deliberately cause a brother or sister to stumble or fall because of your actions. I'll tell you what, the church has missed it here a big time, or a church universal, of judging people over the littlest, dumbest things. What they're wearing to church. Uh, I mean, if they drink beer or not, if they do this or not, they drink wine or not. You know, you don't have the right to do that. You don't. It's not your job. You need to retire now, take off your hat, and give that hat to the Lord. You don't have the right to do that, okay? You have the right and the access, the anointing to love them. And there's people that should be in this church and in churches all over uh, the world that have been rejected in church because they've been judged, criticized over trivial matters, not matters of that were important ones where the church is instructed to give discipline there, but over these other trivial matters. They've been fighting and fussing with them over these other things, and, and they've caused them to stumble, caused them to fall away. They're not even church anymore. Have you met them? Yes. And guess what? They love Jesus. But somebody took their power, their, their, what's the right word? Their, I don't know what it is, spiritual pride. Maybe they, maybe they, meant, maybe they had good intentions. Maybe, who knows what? It's different for everybody, I'm sure. But they took their place too far, and they hurt somebody. You know, and we can do that. We can look at somebody and judge what they're doing, what they're wearing, what they're drinking, what they're whatever, by outside appearances and not know their heart. And what do we want? Do we really want just robots in here that we all look identical, we all do the same thing? I am a Christian. I don't struggle with anything. And like, or we do want to be real. You know what I'm saying? Are you with me? And when you put this mask on people and pretend like, everything's great, and they can't confess their sin, they can't talk about something they struggle with, but if we're the judges, and not the gracious listeners, they're, they're going to have to wear this mask, because I can't tell you what I'm struggling with, because if I do, you won't love me anymore, and you're going to judge me. And you're going to have me kicked out, you're going to tell the elders on me, you're going to tattletale on me, like in third grade, and I'm going to have to go to the principal, and then the pastor's going to discipline me, and kick me out, blah, 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 and it's all fear-based, it's not love-based. There is a place for church correction discipline, but it's done in a spirit of restoration. It's done in a spirit of love and honor and not gossip and slander. It's not to make me look good and someone else look bad. It's to build them up, not tear them down. It's to make them stronger than they were before. Right? So overcriticalness and condemnation of other believers can cause them, over trivial matters, can cause them to stumble and fall. And God, if that's happened in this house, I ask you to forgive us all. Pastors, leaders who have ever been in Plumtree since 1905, God, I ask you right now, publicly, and anybody watching, I just say, forgive us if we judge you in an incorrect way, all the leaders combined in Jesus' name, or, or members. Because, you know what, I've been judged before. I've been judged correctly. I've been judged wrongly. I've been misunderstood over things. People thought I meant something that I didn't. And you know what? I never liked that. It wasn't fun. I didn't enjoy the whole process. And it's happened to you guys before, too. And they need our grace and compassion. 
So I want to go back to our opening scripture in context, Matthew 7, 1 and 2. It says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. That should put the fear of God in you right there, I'm just going to say. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. So Jesus says here that, yes, through Matthew, he says here that you can judge, but there will be consequences. Do you see that? In the same way, you'll be judged, in the same measure. So we will be judged with our own measuring stick. Your ruler, your measuring stick, that's how you're going to be judged, the way you judge somebody else. So if you judge somebody harshly, guess how you're going to be judged? That scares something out of me. (laughs) The little Play-Doh poo-poo or something. That's scary. Because I have judged people harshly sometimes out of my own weariness or frustration or lack of knowledge, lack of training, whatever it is, lack of grace. And I thank God I'm forgiven for it and I don't, I'm trying not to do it again. But uh, it is not our job to do that, amen? Our job is to love. So that being said, we can't just go around saying, do not judge, do not judge, do not judge, because there is a place for judgment. Sometimes it's now, sometimes it's later. In First Peter it says, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And in context, every verse we've seen so far talk about, yes, there is judgment in here over serious things, not over what you're eating and what you're drinking and uh, if you celebrate certain days of the week or holidays or whatever. It says, if it begins with us first, what will the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So we put these scriptures all together. Again, we can see there's a place for judging, a certain way, a certain heart behind it, those inside the church. But there isn't a scripture I saw in the New Testament that talks about judging the world before that appointed time. And you know what? Uh, I think we can do better. As a church overall, we can do better loving people. They are confused. They are hurting. They are scared. They are terrorized. They can't go and pray like we do. They can't go pray in their prayer closet for an hour or whatever or put on a good Christian show and listen and help bring peace back in their heart. They can't do that because they don't know Christ. So when we judge them through the peace and the feelings that we have, we are so wrong in doing that. They have never slept with a night of peace. They have tormenting dreams in the night. They don't have a clue, anything to do with Jesus. And we want to judge them instead of releasing the love of Jesus to them. They're not going to be transformed through our judgment. They'll be transformed through our love. They will know you are a Christian by your love. It doesn't mean we, we condone everything that everybody does. It doesn't mean we just say, well, everything is okay. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that. I'm just trying to talk about our heart attitudes towards people. All right? Yes. So when we try, to take, uh, we try to take God's job as a judge, there are consequences. And, he, and the Bible says, who are you to judge another man's servant? Okay? So today I want to talk to you about some of these consequences for our judgments. Going back, we'll read it again, Matthew 7, 1 and 2. It says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged, and with the same measure, it will be measured to you. We will be judged with the same way, same measure. Okay? Scary. Again. So these judgments that we make are often filtered through our own bitterness or heart condition. We know in part, we prophesy in part. We don't know the full picture. We don't know exactly why this person said this, did this, or didn't say this or do that. We don't know. We know in part and prophesy in part. And the way we judge is the way we judge ourselves. Do you know that? The way you judge somebody else is the way you judge yourself. And the way we judge ourselves is the way we judge others. It's, it goes back and forth. So if, you judge, if you're a very harsh judge against yourself, you're a perfectionist, nothing's ever good enough. If you're like that, when you see somebody else paint a wall, or you see someone else do a job, you're like... Man, they think of that. You know what you're really saying? I can do better. Or if I did it, I would have done better. So we're judging them through what we can and can't do. And that, it's, it's, it's not good. Okay? Um, these judgments are called bitter root judgments. Bitter root judgments. And bitter root judgments come from actions and behaviors that we have judged and condemned others for doing. So these judgments can be against your family, your spouse, your teachers, pastor, boss, friends, you know, any family members, any relationship really, you can have some type of judgment against them, and that judgment is going to hurt you. Yeah. It's going to cause you trouble, okay? So the scriptures say to judge not, or will be judged, and how we judge others will be judged too. So um, I think some people assume 
that all these judgments are assigned to the great white throne judgment one day. And I want to say that might not be true. I think some of them that is true. But think about this for a minute. The story of the man who embezzled you know, $20 million from the king. And then the guy went and repented and the king forgave him of all that money. He just got freed from a, a debt he could never pay. He walks out the door and chokes this guy out over $15, $20. The king finds out he's ticked off. He throws the guy back in prison. He reinstates his debt, and that guy has to pay it back. So did that happen after the man died, or did it happen right after he did this wrong judgment? Are you here? Which is it? Okay. So, and then the Bible says one of the most scariest verses in the Bible, so it will be with you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So it is quite possible, and I think probably likely, that sometimes when we pass judgment on other, people's, other people, the way the measure and the way we judge them is the same way it's measured back to us, and sometimes those judgments happen in the here and now, not in the sweet by and by. Okay? So most commonly, the people we judge the most are the people we spend the most time with. Right? Because you're around them the most, they probably know you the most. Even, even though that you probably love them the most, sometimes they annoy you the most, depending on how tired you are and whatever's going on in your life. So it leaves our parents and people really close to us as open targets on our judgment. Yep. And the problem is that God said to honor our father and mother. And he who curses his father and mother should be put to death. Now, we're not talking about killing people today, but that's what the Bible did say in the Old Testament. He's not a fan of it. Okay, that's the point of it. You don't go killing, your, killing each other over that. But... Um, he who, who uh, honor your father and mother, and he who curses his father or mother, let him be put to death. I'm telling you, this is one of the problems, the biggest problem, one of, if not the biggest problem in America, is we are cursing our fathers. We are cursing our fathers. We are cursing the illegitimate uh, child and their father. They're cursing their kids, the one who left their kids. and all the, We're cursing our fathers and their mothers, and there's a consequence for that. That's right. There's a consequence, and it's not good. Honor, uh, Ephesians 6, 2, and 3. It says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live a long time. When we dishonor our mother and father, sometimes in our lives there's something that's not going to be just right. Something's not, there's something somewhere in your life that's not going to be going well. Isn't that what it says? And it even implies here that it could even cause premature death. Do you see that? People say that as a cute little phrase, like, oh, isn't that cute? They promised a long life if you honor your father and mother. It's not cute. It's the word of God. Amen. It's the first command that had a promise attached to it. It said, honor your father and mother. It will go well with you, and you will live a long time. People say there's no promises for a long life in the earth. There is hundreds of promises in the Bible about long life. With long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's honor what the word says, not traditions of man. The traditions of man make the word of God of no effect even in Jesus' day. So the easiest way for us to dishonor our parents is by judging them. Well, they just did this because of that. Or they just said that because of this. And you know, we sometimes watch our parents, we see what they did and how they respond in this situation, or how they respond in that situation. And uh, we have no ability, especially when we are a child, to understand all they've gone through, all they've been through, what brought them up to that place in their lives where their heart is where it is right then, why they responded the way they did. We don't understand it, and we judge them. And when we do, uh, without walking a mile in their shoes, uh, if we judge them, the more we, more we judge them, the more we become bitter and bitter towards them. And our heart becomes hardened towards them. And then they can do the smallest little thing, you're like, figures. Yeah, just, just do it again. Just hurt me again. Just whatever again. And I'm telling you guys, this is a trick from the devil. Amen. No one here had a perfect dad, and no one here had a perfect mother. Nobody did. But we do have a perfect father. His name is God. And we are, none of us here are perfect parents. We've all messed up. We all did things. We wish we had the time machine sometimes to go back and fix. But guess what? You can't. But we can live in grace and mercy and forgiveness towards one another and honor one another. Amen. So Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God. There's a key thing right there. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Our personal bitterness causes trouble and will defile many people, not just yourself. Your own bitterness will not just hurt you, it's going to hurt other people around you. It just will. I wasn't looking at you for a reason. You, I just gave Susan. <laughs> She's making faces at me. But <laughs> wasn't looking, I'm just looking around the room. <laughs> yeah, I don't know of anyone that's bitter. That's between you and Jesus. So, 
But anyway, but the word trouble there means to crowd in, to annoy, to excite, disturbance, and the growth of a poisonous plant. That's the word trouble there means. So our bitterness can cause trouble, and it's like a, a growing of a poisonous plant on the inside of us that grows up and crowds in on us and starts to annoy us, causing a disturbance in our hearts and our lives, and it defiles other people around us. So let's sign up for the bitterness club, amen? I mean, half us, have, I mean, I don't know what half, but we've already done it at some point. We have. We all have, right? I mean, come on. We have. It's something. But praise God for the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't miss the grace of God because it's able to save us and help us to forgive other people and, and let go of those things. So our bitterness doesn't affect just us. It affects other people, and it says it defiles many. Now, the word defile there means to stain, to tinge, or to dye with another color, or as a stain of glass, we have some stained glass windows here, pollute, contaminate, or to soil. You're going to contaminate, stain like the stain of glass, someone else's life by your own bitterness and defile them. Now, if you don't forgive for your own sake, for goodness sake, let's forgive for our, our neighbor's sake, our friends around us that we're going to defile with our own bitterness, amen? Yes. Have you ever been in that situation around somebody that's bitter and they're mad about something? All of a sudden it feels like they just vomited on you, like, just like poured this stuff on you, like, oh gosh, I just feel like I need to go get a shower. They just poured all this stuff on me. Guess what that is? That's that poisonous, troubling, poisonous plant that grew up on the inside of them until all of a sudden it just came out of their mouths. So when we fail to honor our parents, mistakes and all, we can, without even realizing it, bitterly judge them. And by doing so, we defile ourselves and possibly many other people as well. Now, I'm not speaking this, guys, as someone who did this perfectly. I judged my father very harshly. I grew up in a very legalistic system where I was not knowing if I was saved or not half the time. I was judging myself harshly, this perfectionism thing, and I judged my dad harshly as a father, as a pastor, as a leader, as a, a man, husband, pretty much every way you can judge a person. I judged my father, and it wasn't right. And he wasn't perfect, and neither, but neither am I. And, uh, but you know, the more I judged him, it started putting this wedge in our relationship this hardness in my heart that I started talking bad about him and started saying bad, even when he wasn't doing something bad, I was still talking bad stuff because of the bitterness in my heart I'd grown up so much that I was just putting him down at different times in front of my mother, in front of my brother, and different people. And guess what? I was the one that was wrong. Even if he was wrong in some things he did to me, I, I'm responsible for me and how I react. I can't blame this reaction thing on somebody else. I'm responsible for me. Amen? You're responsible for you. He didn't do everything right, but I was still supposed to honor him and love him. And I could talk to him and say, you know what? When you said this, that hurt me. It wasn't what I would do. Like, oh, I'll show him. And so I try to hurt him in some other way and whatever. So the effect of our judgment, that these judgments cause what's called a boomerang effect. You've been to Australia, play with a boomerang. There's a boomerang effect. The way we judge others has a way of somehow coming back to us, coming back to haunt us. I can remember judging my dad for very, hard, very harshly for things, over things he said or things he did or didn't do. And then fast forward 20 years later, and I'm saying the exact same thing that ticked me off that dad said to me, I'm saying it to my kids. Word for word, I hadn't even thought about it 20 years. How is it even possible to say it word for word? The exact thing I judged him for, I'm saying it out of my own mouth towards my own kids. The very thing I hated that I wish he never said to me, I'm saying it to them. Why am I doing this? Guess what? That boomerang effect's coming back the way I judged the way I did it, in the same manner, in the same way, I'll be judged. And it came back, and I had to go back to my kids many times and say, I'm sorry. And at first, I blame it on my dad. And after I get some more healing and realize that I stopped blaming my dad and started blaming me, like, I'm responsible for what I say. I can yield to the flesh, which reads corruption, or I can yield to the spirit, which reads life. And it's my choice. I can't blame my dad. Amen? We stop blaming our fathers and our mothers because we're to honor them. Amen? So many of you know Dick Robinson. He's been here many times. And he, he says, oh, bitterroot judgments. He says, they cause a spiritual bondage on each of our lives. The person that judged now has become trapped into the same kind of behavior that once hurt them. So basically, that person is now bent towards the same behavior or a similar behavior that you once judged somebody else for. And guys, this is common yes. in the church. It's common in life because it's the word. So again, that's what I did with my dad. And it happened again and again and again. Um, but, you know, praise God, God brought healing to my life. Let me tell you a few more testimonies here. Um, 
Oh, I want to say this too. I started to notice that the more I was bitter towards him, the more I judged him, the more I became exactly like him. I don't know if mom's watching or my grandmother. If you are, I love you. God bless you. I love you. My grandma's 93. She's, she doesn't always watch it live because she can't figure it out, but someone helps her watch the replay. But anyway, um, there was a time in my marriage when Han and I would, we were arguing, and she'd call me my dad's name. It was like, oh, it's on now. No, no, like, no, you, no, you, no, you didn't. I mean, I, honestly, I, I'm embarrassed to say it. I'm just telling you. It's where my heart was. That, that was like the worst insult she could give me was to call me my dad's name. And I'm sorry, Mom, if you haven't heard that before. But uh, it was. And it was me, not Dad. It was me. And, um, it, oh, it ticked me off. So I call her her mother's name. Or, <laughs> or something. <laughs> back. Real mature, I know. But it's just saying, being real. You say things you don't mean when you're fighting, just being honest. So anyway, um, but as God dealt with my heart on that, I, what started noticing, I started to act just like him on different things. Or the same things I judged him the harshest for is the same way I started to act towards my kids or towards Holly or somebody else. And I couldn't figure out why until I, got, I heard this teaching on bitter root judgment and this boomerang effect. I'm reaping what I sowed. I'm reaping. And guess what? I'm tired of reaping that stuff. Yeah. Amen? So guess what? If you just judge yourself and you forgive your dad, your mom, and you let it go, your life can instantly shift. I mean like right now shift. There's things internally, habits you're stuck in, this wheel this, uh, of addiction or this wheel of judgment or this wheel of consequences or whatever can instantly shift as we release judgment of our family. Right. I'm going to give you a few examples. They're kind of, some of them are kind of weird, but Randy Clark's wife, her name is Diana, her mother was a clean freak, and she just wanted the floor so clean that the, the company could come and just eat off the floor, you know, so to speak. She just wanted it so clean. And no matter how good she did it, uh, her mother's like, you missed a spot, you, you go back, do it again, and it would just tick her off, and she just judged her mother harshly over something like that. You're like, you're like thinking, you mean even stuff like that? I was like, yeah, even stuff like that. So years later, she's married, she has her own kids, and she's worse than her mother in some ways, and now she has this whole thing going on where people can't walk on the carpet in her house, family or not, let her go behind it and wiping off the, finger, the, the footprints, the steps behind her, so all the carpet is going the same way. She got this like monk thing going on. Have you ever seen that show? <laughs> it has to all be going the same direction or whatever. And she knew it was weird. She wanted to stop it, but she couldn't. And Randy was embarrassed. The kids were like, Mom, come on. Like, they're company. She's like down the floor, like fixing them all. Well, guess what? She went and got some inner healing. And God spoke to her, like, in the same way you judged your mother, it's coming back to you. The boomerang effect. She forgave her mom, released that bitterness, and she never, after that, she didn't feel the need to go down and do that weird thing anymore. I mean, I just seen someone do that, that would be funny but hilarious. We're like, okay, whatever. So, uh, another story uh, some of you guys probably heard of Cindy Jacobs. She's an author, speaker, teacher, prophet, lady, uh, very gifted, heart to the nations. So, anyway, one day her husband came home from work, and she just, out of nowhere, made this shocking announcement like, all right, we're selling the house and we're moving, and we're gonna, I'm gonna enroll in school. She's like, what? Where'd this come from? Well, they hadn't talked about it. There was no anything leading up to it. Just like, boom, just this is what we're doing. And they had always made their decisions together, and this one wasn't together. She didn't know what was going on. And so later that night, she tried to bring it up again. He's like, no, no, this is dumb. This is what we're doing. And uh, she wasn't happy about it. So next day, he goes to work, and she starts praying, but she's still steaming. You know, you ever done that? You're trying to talk to God, but you're steaming still inside? Like, hmm. And uh, so she's trying to hear God's voice, but it's sometimes hard to hear when you're angry. Amen? Amen. Can I get a witness? Yeah, okay, just saying. So uh, she got quieted down, and she, all of a sudden she heard God say, Mike is acting quite unreasonably, isn't, isn't he? And she was like, I was afraid to answer because I knew like, he's setting me up right now because my heart is angry right now. And, then he, and she doesn't answer, and she hears, you are reaping what you've sown. And she goes, what do you mean? I don't remember. But when she was a child, her, her dad was a pastor. And oftentimes, it sounded like this happened quite a bit, the church would have something going on that she was never told what happened, but she'd just find out, we have to leave, we're moving. And she, I guess the dad was fired or something, and they had to go pack up all their stuff and leave and go to another school without any notice, not even be able to say goodbye to her friends, no explanation. And she judged her dad harshly because, why didn't he tell me what happened? Why couldn't I say goodbye to my friends? Why this? Why that? And she got mad and judged, judged him harshly for that. So God uh, reminded her of this story, and then she learned about bitter judgments through some other teaching. And when she forgave her dad after that, 
of, of judging him for what, what he had done. Now, honestly, if that happened in your life, every one of us probably would have handled it the same way Cindy did. You didn't get to say goodbye to your friends. That's a pretty big deal. So anyway, that night after she forgave him and canceled this judgment, that night uh, he came home from work and he was whistling, he was happy, he was singing songs, he was going on his business. And uh, later that night she goes, so are we still selling the house? What's going on? He goes, ah, nah, forget about that. I don't know what I was thinking. Just like that. And we can say coincidence, but I really don't believe it is. A key factor there involved in these bitter judgments is the law of sowing and reaping. Her judgment was somehow hindering her husband in this way, in the same area she judged her dad is now hindering her husband years later how he's thinking, how he's processing things. It says it will trouble people. It will, call, it will defile people, our bitterness. And it does. And until we take care of it, it's still there. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever, 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 whatever a man sows, he will also reap. So let me ask you this. When you have a garden, uh, is the seed usually bigger, or is the harvest usually bigger? Right? So if you plant a potato seed, you're going to hopefully reap a much bigger potato than the seed, right? If you plant corn seed, you're going to reap the stalk and then all the ears and all the, all the more than just one kernel. If you, you sow an apple seed, you're going to reap an apple tree. So when you sow a seed of harshness, bitterness, judgment towards our family members, your judgment, what you receive later, could be much worse because it's harvest time. Think of this verse, Hosea 8, 7, the, uh, the first part of the verse says, they, that they sowed to the wind and they reaped the whirlwind. They sowed some into the wind and what they reaped was bigger than the wind. It was now a whirlwind. What we reap is bigger than what we sow. And it works in a positive for us too, praise God, through Jesus. What he reaped for us is bigger than what we sowed. Amen? What he sowed is also bigger than what we sowed through Jesus. But Cindy, she realized that she had sown these judgments against her father, and they were now hindering her husband from thinking clearly on these matters. And once she forgave him, she was able to let go of it. So bitter root judgments often, are co- uh, they often cause a situation, uh, excuse me, cause them to def- see things through defiled lenses. So how we see things, it affects how you see stuff. And this has caused the issue, issue is called uh, the plank in the Bible, in Matthew 7, 3 through 5, which is the very next verses after, do not judge lest you be judged. The very next verses says, And why do you look at the speck of, in your brother's eye, and do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your, other, your brother's eye. This is what happens when we judge. It hinders how you see things. You've got the plank in your own eye. You're not discerning things correctly. Okay? Let me show you a few more stories, and I want to pray for some people and give you a chance to forgive somebody and cancel judgments you've made. Because guess what? You don't know why they did what they did. No man knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of God in a man. You might think you have perception. You might think you know why they did or said what they did or said, but you do not know unless the Spirit of God told you. Amen? And he probably is not going to tell you that. He's going to probably tell you, let's talk about something else and let's forgive them. So another time, Cindy was praying with a friend of hers for her husband to get saved. And while they were praying, the lady said, my husband's never going to get saved. He, does, he just won't accept Christ. His heart's too hard. And Cindy corrected her right there and said, you've got a bitter root judgment against your husband. Why would you say that? Just because he hasn't yet, you're going to say that for his whole life? You're going to declare it, that he'll never get saved? So she forgave her husband canceled this bitter root judgment, and her husband got saved within a week. Now, I'm not going to say that everyone who does that is salvation in a week, but I'm going to say, get your stuff out of the way. Get the stuff you've sown out of the way. We can see what kind of harvest we can reap. We get our, our stuff taken care of, right? Amen. Another example, uh, Mike and, when Mike and Cindy's kids were small, they purchased a new home. The home had a washer and dryer already in there. And the dryer, something was wrong with it, was overheating. And she was concerned that it was going to overheat and cause a fire. And she had asked him to work on it multiple times. She'd asked him, begged him, even nagged him to do it. And he just didn't do it. And so she was annoyed and she was frustrated. And uh, one day she's praying and God says, you judged him. You judged him bitterly and said he doesn't want to help anything around the house. And because he wouldn't help with the dryer, she's saying now he won't help with anything. And so she's like, I'm sorry, God. Because remember, it did say anything, right? You saw it, anything. So she judged him harshly for that. She forgave him, 
canceled the judgment, and that night, without even being prompted or asked, he came home and fixed it on his own. Again, I don't think that's a coincidence. Let me tell you one more, and I'm going to pray for you guys. A lady in Texas tells a sad story about her daughter running away from home. The, the mother, and father were, mother and daughter were fighting. There was tension in the home, probably because they were too much alike, and probably a lot of bitterness and stuff came in. But anyway, uh, she ran away from home, and this lady now, years later, is at this conference in Texas. She's hearing Cindy Jacobs teach and telling some of these stories and teach on bitter root judgments and how that boomerang effect can hurt us so much. And she, uh, she judged her daughter as a no-good troublemaker, and she also judged her daughter, saying she didn't care how her leaving affected the whole family. And she just had this hardness. She hadn't spoken to her in years. So she went and prayed and asked God to forgive her for judging her daughter harshly. She didn't know the whole story, asking God to cancel these judgments that she made and the boomerang effect and all that kind of stuff. And they had a short break. During that break, she goes out to get some refreshments, go to the restroom, and her phone rings. And it's her daughter. Hadn't spoke to her in years. Now, instantly, I'm telling you, I mean, maybe not all your fruit will happen instantly, but I'm, I'm expecting instant fruit for those who will do this. I'm just saying. Uh, her mother call, her daughter called the mother in the lobby right after this session, right after she forgave, and said, Mom, I'm sorry I left home. Can I please come home? And her mom starts crying on the phone and said, yes, please come home. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please come home. Come home right now. I'll come get you. I'll send you bus ticket money, whatever you want to do. Just please come home. Let's, let's work this out. And she did, and they did. Guys, is it possible that sometimes our bitter root judgments against our family members, our loved ones, our neighbors, and things like that, is it possible that some of those judgments have caused some of the negativity of things this vicious cycle of stuff that sometimes happens in our life, is it possible that we're reaping some of those judgments now because the way we judged others, with the same measures we judged other, it's now coming back on us? Is it possible? I think it is. But the good thing is, if we will forgive the way the Lord Jesus forgave you, He doesn't bring it up again. He doesn't hold it over your head. He doesn't use it to blackmail you. He doesn't use it to manipulate you. He absolutely forgave you completely. It's like it didn't even happen. When we forgive as the Lord forgave us, I'm telling you, there's something special. When you, when you receive the grace of God, it's much easier to release it. Amen? So G, Cindy Jacobs said this. She said, The principle of releasing bitter judgments is one of the most powerful truths that she'd ever learned in her Christian walk. And that any time there is an unreasonable situation surrounding her, she always checks to see if she has a root of bitterness. That's the first place she goes to look. If something's unreasonable, this just isn't logical. Why does this keep happening? Go back and pray and ask God, okay? So um, here's what I want you guys to do, how to break these judgments. You're probably not going to remember it. Some of you might have paper. If you don't, you can re-listen to this after. I can give you the notes if you need it. But first, make a list of relationships in your life that you may have may, may be affected by any bitter root judgment. Make a list. Then confess those things to the Lord. Then ask Holy Spirit to reveal any bitter root judgments that you're not aware of, because some you probably forgot about. Cindy wasn't aware of that. Other people weren't aware. They forgot because it had been so long ago. I know, I'll tell you when I said, I remember saying about my dad, I remember saying, because I was so angry and mad, I said, if he was to die, I don't think I'd even go to his funeral. That's how hard my heart had gotten. It wasn't like he killed somebody. I mean, I really was being unreasonable with some things. I'd, but he had hurt me in some things, and I won't get into that right now, but anyway. But it was way over the top what I was saying. My emotions, but it was years of bitterness to build and build and build till I said that. And praise God, we got it worked out. I spoke at his funeral. And that was, <laughs> I was thankfully able to do that. And people got saved. But um, we need to forgive. Amen? Amen? Then we pray and release the person who hurt us uh, the most or through whom you're reaping the most judgment from. And usually that's a person you're closest to that's usually family first. Not always, but usually is. Look for areas in your life where there seems to be an endless loop of negative reaping, this constant cycle of repeating the same thing again and again. There's probably a connection there. Forgive those you have judged and ask the Lord to forgive you for judging them. Then break the power of reaping, which has the same effect as a curse on your life. And a sample prayer could be something like this, Father, in Jesus' name, I release the following judgments against my dad for being angry a lot or for not listening to me or whatever your person or story is. And then we pray this prayer. So um, I, want you to, I want you to know, you can actually expect instant fruit in your life if you'll do this. There's relationships that can be restored. There's cycles of bondages and curses, in your, possibly in some of your lives, that have been 
rehearsing and going around and around and around because we've judged people harshly. And all you have to do is confess it, ask God to forgive you for judging them, forgive them, and you can have a release in this area of your life. Now, sign me up for that, amen? amen. I hope you feel the same way. Because I, 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 I know what it's like to, to live in that area where I was judging my dad harshly. I know what it's like to after I forgave him. And, you know, before he passed, we were closer just like we were when we were little. And the enemy stole some of that time in the middle. It wasn't my dad. It was, I will say, a lot was me. It was, but the, really, it was the enemy tricking me and it's seeing, perceiving things that were not even the same. And it's, it's a trick. Amen? So some of you need to take time to pray over this, make a list, and write things down. Uh, let me tell this story first because I feel God wants me to share this just briefly. I said I, I wouldn't even go to my dad's funeral. I judged him so harshly. So then I'm at this service in Roanoke, Virginia, and this pastor was speaking. He looked kind of like the Monopoly man. He really did a little curly mustache and stuff, a little short guy, and uh, named Fountain Schultz. And um, never heard of him, never saw him before. And he starts speaking. I don't remember anything he talked about. I just remember this one line. He said, if you've cut off your heart uh, from your earthly father, there's a part of your heavenly father that you'll never get to know. And I, I instantly like, what does this guy know? I don't know, like whatever. And I didn't say it out loud, just in my heart. That's what I said. Like, what does he know? And then he said it again, repeated it. And all of a sudden I'm crying. And I have no idea why I'm crying. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm exposed. Like everybody's going to see me. I'm up with the youth section. Everyone's all around me. I'm not just like, I mean, like, I'm, I'm like, this doesn't happen. Why am I crying? I mean, I was like, God, supernaturally, I, I couldn't stop. And God reminded me of those words I said. You said that if your dad was even to die, you wouldn't probably go to his funeral. I'm like, oh, I did say that. I'm sorry. And it was a process of that healing. But I'm telling you, guys, it's a trick. It's a trick. Yeah. Nobody has a perfect dad. No one has a perfect mom. But we have a perfect father. And if God can forgive you for the stuff that you did, the stuff that you said, the stuff that you didn't do or say, then we can forgive our parents and our loved ones and people around us, even when they don't deserve it. Because guess what? You didn't deserve it either. Neither did I. So I want to encourage you. Some of you need to go home and make a list, pray over this, ask God to help expand your list and get rid of these things. But some of you, while I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit's prompted stuff in your heart that you remember saying. You remember about somebody. It doesn't matter if you're, they're still alive or not. It doesn't matter. The judgment was made. It's still there. Okay? So I want to just say, if, you, if the Holy Spirit's prompting you to do this, I want you to pray this prayer after me and just break this cycle of condemnation and judgment because it defiles many and it causes many to fall away. And guess what? God wants your heart to be pure and clean. Amen? Amen. So it's you. You don't have to stand. But just say this in your heart. It could be everybody. And uh, that's fine if it is. So just repeat this after me in your heart. Father, in Jesus' name, I now release the following judgments against my, and you can say your father or your mother or whoever. And then four, name what you judge them for, whether that was, whatever that was. I forgive those I have judged. And I ask you, Lord, to forgive me for judging them. I now break the curses that have been re released against me as a result of my judging. And I command the effects from those bitter root judgments to be broken today in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, you probably felt this weight lift off, this release from you, and there's, guess what? There's probably more than one judgment you may have to take care of. So let me know. Whatever we can do this in a sozo session, we can, I can just send you the stuff. You can pray and do it alone with God. I'm telling you, you want something that actually works, a pathway towards freedom for your own personal heart and life, you need to do this. Because guess what? Everyone here has been done wrong in some way or another. And we've done wrong to somebody else. But it's an important thing is how we 
move on from there, how we, how we process it, how we forgive, how we let go, how we, how we keep the love of God in our hearts is by forgiving. The harder our heart gets towards our neighbors, our parents, our loved ones, the harder our heart gets to receive love from God too and give love away. But if you can tenderize that garden and make it fruitful, you're going to reap a harvest, a, a major harvest. Amen? Amen. Amen. We guys stand. I want to pray and bless you. I heard a lot of sermons in my life, a lot of stories and illustrations and stuff. But I want to just—I'll just say this: I didn't—I didn't write, I didn't create this. I learned this from someone else, and they learned it from somebody else or whatever. But I will say this: this message, this truth, it works. Amen. It doesn't take much faith to believe it either. I mean, just a seed. I mean, just a little bit. You just do this, put this into practice. Your heart will shift. It will shift. Amen. So, God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for truth, and I thank you for the power of redemption. You forgave me, and I forgive. And you forgave them, and God, by faith, I'm believing they will forgive too. Do not let your heart be hardened. Do not be afraid. Trust in God. Trust only in him. Release those people that hurt you the most. Release them. Let God be the judge. You cancel that judgment in Jesus' name. So God, I just bless your people. I pray you'd bring to remembrance uh, parts of this message today that they need to remember, and they'll put it in practice that they'll have fruit in their lives, fruit that will remain. I thank you for that. And even right now, God, I ask you to remind them of things where they've judged somebody, whether it's someone who used to go to this church or somebody that did this or did that. God, I pray you reveal it to us that we can cancel that judgment against our neighbor. They are your servant, and we have no right to judge them for that. So God, I thank you for that. I'm just going to wait a minute because I feel like the Holy Spirit's moving on hearts. Um, just give you a minute just to listen to him. I don't know who I'm saying this to, but I just feel to say, you are not a victim. You're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Yes. You're an overcomer. You're not a victim. Yes. Whatever happened to you is forgiven. God is releasing you from that. As you let go and let him be the judge, he's releasing you from that. You are not defiled except by your bitterness. Let that go. Whew, yeah. Let that go. And you're going to experience tremendous release, release and freedom. Amen. In Jesus' name.